Bronx is on. Tampa's on. Joining me here on the show here tonight from Sports Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max Live 365 iHeartRadio. Goes by the name of Pusha Prem. Pusha, what's going on, man? How's your night going? Top of the day, top of the night's going good, man. While we're just getting ready for extravagant evening, we're opening for JD Kiss on Sunday. Then on Saturday, we have our charity event as well, too. So every show that we do here in Tampa, I always do a charity event just to kind of get back to the hood, you know? Shout out to you and congratulations on opening up for Jada Kiss because I heard that you've opened up for Nas, a ton of legendary artists. So when you open up for Jada Kiss, what song do you want to hear him play that's going to get you going for your set? <laughs> probably, um, <laughs> probably Still Feel Me. That's one of my favorite songs from him. Mm, tough. He's got to bring something out for Money, Power, Respect, too. That's true. That's true. But I, I feel like it's not the same um, when like everyone else is not involved as well, too, you know? Exactly. But you, you have a ton of influences because the track that really lured you into this thing that we call hip hop, which is the, the greatest genre of music in the world, is Put My Hands Where I Can See Them by Busta Rhymes. Yeah. Oh, shit. You did some homework. Absolutely. That was the song. That was the song. <laughs> oh, shit. But that yeah. brought you in. Have you had the opportunity to link up with Busta Rhymes or open up for him at one of his oh, shows? Man, or just I would him? love to, man. I would love to. I heard that he was uh, he just went on tour with um, the Wu-Tang. And now it's actually, yeah, I would love to. I just want to meet him and just kind of like dive into like, you know, this is like creative process. Because, you know, he used to be in that other group before he uh, he transferred over to, to being a solo artist. So he was like way different back then. And like, you know, he was different to the point to where some people may not have been able to accept it yet. You know, he was like the old dirty bastard of his time. And then like when once he got his niche, you know, and he dropped it when disaster strikes. It was man, that shit was a tough album. Yeah, no, he's he's crazy. Top five, you could put him in top five lyrical of all time because people always break down who are your top five rappers. But when you break down the lyrics, I think Buster Rhymes belongs top five lyrically all time. All time, yeah, it's hard, man, because it all depends on like um, how how the how the the lyrics connect to you. Because like um, at one point in time, I used to be a super cannabis head. You know, I used to love cannabis. Second round knockout. Second round knockout was dope. Um, Buckingham Palace was dope. Um, like that whole first album, that Can I Bust album, when he was just like trying Hypnitis. to get Hypnitis. Oh, yeah. yo, you're a real one. I remember yeah. <laughs> that, that song is crazy. No, Cannabis is, is one of the illest spitters in the game. Going to LL Cool J at the time. And, and everyone, LL had beef with everyone at that time. Tupac, Cool yep. Mod, he was really going yep. at it. And, LL Cool J unfortunately took the loss with cannabis there. And then we move on. He goes in the movies and he has his career going right ahead here. But we, we got to get into Push Supreme because I think it's it's amazing just how you're learning about your life story from moving all the way from the Bronx to Tampa. Now, how were you able to get coordinated down there just with the lingo and the language? Because it's so different. You were really coming up during the battle rap era. Yeah, it was it was a little bit of a struggle because they didn't really accept me like coming off the gate. And then like I was hard headed, too come from New York. So, you know, like what you, that, that New York city mentality doesn't really like leave you like that New York state of mind is a real thing. And, you know, uh, we just kind of found like middle ground, you know what I'm saying? Because like, they liked the way that I dressed. So everything we had was fashion forward. Like they were still wearing like Sacconis and like regular fubu when we was already on like throwback jerseys and platinum fubu and Michelin and sweaters, Michelin and S. like they weren't really up on that. So like we kind of learned from each other and then, as like the South caught up, because then you know Ti and everybody else started kind of like, you know, jumping to that influence, and everything just started making sense. Like it got current. And once it got current, then we all was on the same page, because we all had the same common goal. Everybody just wanted to just be heard, be creative as possible, and like get the best girl. Like that was like our like day to day joint, you know. I've heard all about your story, and we're gonna get into it. But just from the culture, just moving down to Florida, where do you think? Because me, I'm still in my baggy jeans era. I still rock Mitchell and Ness myself, being from the tri-state area and going to school mm-hmm. in Queens. Where, where did the skinny, tight clothing come from, especially with these new kids that you've been observing? Because it was all baggy, and that was the New York hip-hop, East Coast hip-hop style. So mm-hmm. what was that, that it just changed in the skinny era? I think, think? It went, I think it went back to baggy, to be honest with you. Like, mm-hmm. um, like uh, I felt like a lot of fashion mags, things of that nature. So... They have like the like the new Louis Vuitton line they dropped when he had Kendrick Lamar rapping. Like they go they're good they're getting back to back. I think everything's just like um expression and, and whatever is kind of like influenced by overseas. So I think during that time, you know, a lot of Cubans, a lot of Jamaicans, like a lot of them was coming overseas and they came with that real like fitted kind of look. And then the fitted look kind of like lasted on because then like, you know, like Kanye and um who else um during that time? 
picked up a lot of R&B cats picked up on it and then it just kind of just like became his own thing like it had his own confidence with it so I think like it all depends on like what's comfortable for you because at the end of the day like nowadays like you know everyone's kind of like how Joe Button was when he was on tour wearing sweatpants and things like that it's all about comfortability and like expression in my opinion and then when we really think about it because your acronym Poetry and Rhythm Elevates Minds Effectively. Yo, look at was, you doing your homework. Oh, was, shit. Was, was this inspired by Knowledge Reigns Supreme over nearly everyone with KRS-One? Actually, no. It's so funny because, like, I didn't get into, like, my 5% of bag until I moved back to New York in 09. Um, that came because, like, I, you know, I started out doing poetry. Like, my thing was, like, I didn't really have a game like that. I was real shy, so I used to write a lot of You wrote haikus for love letters, right? Yeah, 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 that was my thing. Like, doing the haikus and stuff like that was kind of like, that's what kind of put me in those positions to be able to kind of like, you know, just feel comfortable just talking that that love language. And then from there, um, then it turned into the battle rap, and then that's how it came. So I always remember that, you know, rap acronym was rhythm and poetry, so I just kind of flipped it so it's like poetry and rhythm elevates minds effectively. Mm. And it stuck with you ever since. And, and people know you for that acronym. And it's always interesting to go deeper into it just when you learn about KRS-One, especially when you really think about KRS-One's name, because over nearly everyone, mm-hmm. which is not everyone. Oh, so he, he was yeah, clever with yeah. it. That's dope. That's dope. I didn't know it was. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> damn. You just called me with that one. I didn't know that's what it stood for. But you, you before hip hop became a main thing because I I heard that your mother ran track and your grandmother was into the school system. But you have an uncle, unfortunately, that you lost that played instruments. So you think that is that where your music line comes from? Um, I would say maybe like a little bit of both. Like, um, nah, I'm a, I'm gonna keep it a stack. Only, um, so we used to watch the Lyrics Lounge show. So after Lyrics Lounge show, my, my, me and my cousin, we used to always like do like a quick little rap afterwards. And I think that's where it stemmed from. Like, you know, just like that, that competitiveness of just like trying to write with other people and trying to keep up. Because it was like really, I was really big into the metaphors, but I always used to like overextend and overexceed a metaphor and not really like tell a story. Then like, you know, just, you know, um, going to high school, doing the battle raps, you kind of had to like learn that, that portion of storytelling. Plus like all of my classes were like English classes. At pace in English, English two, English honor. So I was always like in that writing bag, you know what I'm saying? And then um I used to be, like be really infatuated with reading lyrics. So I remember when I went to the military, that during that time, you know, when you have to do like your 12 road march, you have to like, you know, you have to keep yourself occupied. So what I had did was uh, at the time I had my girl send me a bunch of like lyrics, Jay-Z lyrics. So I would read all of them, memorize them. And then on the march, I'd be straight. So I'd just be on the march and I'd just be like, this summer, I know you're going to miss me. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it, that, that helped out tremendously doing things like that. Hova is definitely one of the, the main experience, the influences for your career. But there's also the rapper yeah. Nova that gave you your name. And that was right around the time when Get Rich or Die Trying came out because you didn't want to be affiliated with Supreme, which is the Supreme team. Go learn about it, especially with Nas and Queensbridge and all that when you do your Nas research. Yes, that's ex- yo. That's absolutely you're like the Norwood right now. That's absolutely a hundred and ten percent correct. So um, Nova gave me that because um, Nova was reaching over, so he wanted me to be, um, you know, he was like, yo, you always like pushing towards your dream because I was, you know, I wasn't going to really stick with the whole cream thing because it had like the whole drug affiliation, and I always told myself like if I can kind of step away from that, I would. Only be- and then I'm glad that I did because like whatever I did in my past, like when it came to that, you know. Um, I see what a lot of artists is catching up to them now. You know what I'm saying? Like people getting indicted, people getting knocked. So I would hate for some shit like that to happen to me when I got like so much going on. I got my family and shit. So, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, just protect my livelihood. So I want to stay away from that. Plus, you know, the kind of music I was making, I was always making like creative love driven songs, you know? So it's not, it's not a surprise that, I, that I'm doing like Afrobeat or making songs about relationships because that's how I started out, you know? That's how you started out and you continuing to grow from there. You also had your time playing ball at Mississippi. So how did you end up in Mississippi? Was it that they gave you an offer because unfortunately that career didn't go too far because of your injury, but how did you end up in Mississippi? So that, <laughs> so I don't talk about that too much, but now that it's like so far removed. So I had a warrant in Florida and, um, you know, my mom was like, yo, like, 
you can't stay here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I used to, like, stay ducked off in the crib. They would knock. I would hide. She would lie. She's like, I don't want to lie for you no more. And if you get locked up, I'm not paying your bell. So you should really focus on school. So I was like, okay, cool. So I took the SATs. We submitted the SATs. And I got accepted. So when I got there, you know, I was always in shape. So it was like, yo, you should try out for football. And I'm like, nah, I got a helmet phobia. I can't really fuck with football. But what's up with the basketball team? And it was like, yo, if you want to get on the basketball team, the easiest way to get on there is to show them that you got stamina. So I was like, okay, perfect. So I used to run track five. In, well, I used to wake up five in the morning, practice with the track team that has some of the basketball players there, build with them. And then it'll be like, yo, we be having these secret practices like in the morning. So then boom, from there, from five in the morning, go shower, go to the cafe, eat, and then meet them at seven o'clock and shoot around with them. And then just show them I had interest in it. Then tryouts came and I wound up walking on the team. And then unfortunately, what, what, if you don't mind me asking, what type of injury? Was it an ACL injury? What happened? Oh, no, men- meniscus. Men- oh, boy. Yeah, so that, that kind of gave out on me. And it's like, it's never been the same since. So, you know, I, I just looked at it as a sign that is like, that's not really what I need to be doing right now. So from there, um, Nova had called me and he's like, yo, I'm starting a label called King's Legacy. You just come over to New York and then we can just start from scratch. And I was like, I bet. You know, I took his word for it. I left college and went there, and then that's just been the same since. I heard that you were nice, though. You were at AAU playing ball. You you, you had a game, I heard. Yeah, no, nah, I could hoop still. I could hoop yeah. still. Sometimes I put, like, glimpses online, you know what I'm saying? I can't, you know, it's like, because, you know, I'm not pushed supreme when I'm on the court, but, like, you know, sometimes I put glimpses up there just to show people I still got it, though. It's my passion, though. I, I enjoy basketball. It's, like, um my favorite pastime. I like how you know, it's very goal-oriented, it's very team-oriented, and, like, the creativity of just scoring is, like, something that I'm really fond of. Especially in nowadays, it's getting a little bit better, but you st- everyone's so quick to just shoot the threes right now because of Golden State and how they changed the game. I think we might have froze up a little bit. Okay, there we go. We're back. D-Rose cracks your top five. How can we put D-Rose in, in your top five? D-Rose. Hell yeah. I love D-Rose. That's my favorite basketball player. It's Jordan. unfortunate. If he didn't tear his ACL, he, he may be – he could be the greatest point guard of all time if he didn't tear his ACL. Easily, easily. Like, he had – his athleticism was, was beyond beyond anything we've ever seen. You know what I'm saying? The fact that he was able to take that Bulls team that was missing Carlos Boozer for half a season then missing Joe Kim Noah the other half to number one in the East against LeBron James. Um, who else they had uh, during that time? The East uh, the Celtics was was uh, was um, was popping during that time. That was a strong ass East team, and he took them to the playoffs multiple times. This is before Jimmy Butler even had like chin hair. So let's so look at how good Jimmy Butler is now. If he had a point guard like Derrick Rose, which he's never had since that time, like D'Angelo Russell doesn't even come just doesn't even come there. Kyle Lowry, no way. Drafting, he's never had a point guard with that much athleticism since Derrick Rose. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he's the youngest MVP, so like he was only going to get better. Like statistically, his three point percentage was getting better and better and better. You know what I'm saying? He could have been what what maybe not as good as what Curry is, but he could have been at least where, um, where like John Morant is now. You know, but you know that's just the curse. Like um, I was watching his his um doc, not documentary, but his interview on the um a million dollars worth of game, not a million dollars worth of game. Um, the one with this guy, the battle rapper, I can't remember it right now. Um. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it right now. But if y'all watching this, just type in Derrick Rose interview if you guys don't know much about Derrick Rose. And he talks about everything, his work ethic, how he had to escape, how his brother was super gamer-affiliated. Uh, like, he had a hard life. And, the, and to come up on top is, like, that's commemorable, in my opinion. One of the greatest to ever do it. And he, he's on the Knicks right now. And Thibodeau is just – he's going to drive that team to the ground. I'm a f- I'm, I admit I'm an ex Knicks fan. I can't watch them anymore because they're just not a se- <laughs> they're not a serious organization. I I this nah, is my first year. I, I abandoned them last year because when, when you have the chance to trade for Donovan Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell actually wants to come to the Knicks, especially with his family working for the Mets, he's like he's he wants to come to the Knicks. They they're like, nah, we're fine with the team we have. But then and he gets traded to Cavs like two days later. See you Knicks. Yeah, See you Knicks and, 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 and Knicks fan. I'll, I'll root elsewhere. Sorry. Just can't do uh, it. You know, I'm on my you, Big man. L type of time. I'm from New York and never was a fan of the Knicks. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I never I never been with the Knicks, man. They was always like the Jewish team to me. Like when the when they came to Brooklyn, I was living in New York. I was the first one there. I was there when um Chucky Cat and um Chuck Chucky Atten's cut the ribbon. Oh yeah? Like, 
Yeah, I was there for when when the Nets first started. I was super fan of the Nets back when he had Pierce on his on his uh, on his decline. Darren Williams. Darren Williams. Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez. Um, fourth quarter, Joe Joe Johnson. I I saw Joe. They had I saw Joe at the time. Then Garnett. So I was there for all that. You know what I'm saying? Like we went we went by the um the Barclays Center. It was it was it was good to see, man. Like I never been a part of like the growth of a team from beginning to end. So seeing that shit was incredible. Yeah. yeah you, I'm not a Nets fan because as a former Knicks fan, I didn't like how they just came to New York and hijacked us all the yeah. way from Jersey. <laughs> they hijacked but some people the Knicks. Can say that, some people could say the same shit about, um, you know, like Jer- Jersey. Like there was really the, the, the Jersey Nets and they lost them or kind of like how the Giants and the Jets are playing Jersey. Yeah, but yeah. they're like York teams. Yeah, exactly. Well, I root for the Jets. That's a whole other nightmare. But I, I want to get into your career, you know, just just your life story, because you always speak about it in, in other interviews and just your life story in general when you go to read about your biography. And you believe in that in order to receive your blessings and going forward, whatever type of career that you want, you have to offer up sacrifices. So what were or what was your sacrifice in getting yourself to where you're at now? I would say... um time in the family. So, you know, when I had left for college, I also left my, you know, my oldest daughter in Tampa. So just kind of like visiting her on like holidays and every once in a while, like once per month when I was in New York was kind of tough. Um, just kind of just take, taking a step back from like, you know, the leashes of life, you know what I'm saying? Like going out partying or, you know, just like linking up with friends and like doing something like playing 2K and stuff like that. Like I had to kind of give that up because I, I spent so much of my time you know, just trying to figure things out and not really getting like the back end that I wanted that I had to kind of like become my own businessman. And doing that took some time of learning too and some isolation. And that's a sacrifice some people don't learn until like maybe like their late 20s or their early 30s. But it, it hit me so fast because I had a kid. So I didn't really have a chance to be able to like, you know, just like explore. I had to explore while I was doing it. So by the time I got everything together, which was like around 2015, that's when things started clicking, and then I have my own system, you know? You, you also met H in Tampa, and he showed you how to maneuver through the industry, especially on the music side of things. And college radio is something that you've always been vocal about, and that's important to utilize that as an artist. So learning from H from there, how did you start to maneuver through this industry in your own way? So um, working with H, H taught me the basically the basis of, like, throwing your own show, right? And just performing on stage and, like, crowd control. Because that that that's like super 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 important uh, when it comes to to like just you know your showmanship and your bag you know what I mean like people pay to go to shows out of everything out of music the one that pays the most is shows so H always taught me about just making sure that the business is right making sure that you have your paperwork making sure you have, you have your 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 ASCAP your BMI making sure your songs are registered. Man. Oh, I think we got stuck again. Stay with us. I'm sure that it'll unstick here. We'll be back here live with Pusha Prime as we're discussing how he maneuvers through the music industry, learning from H from Tampa. Still in though, we you know they came into another plateau and made it their own. They went from Tampa just being this like very like southern hip hop kind of like plateau to just being like a full open segue for anybody that wants to be a creative that's that's using hip hop as a platform. What would you say are the differences in, in how to move in the music industry within New York and down, when you say Florida? Because you're someone that's been around. So what are the differences? Because when you hear about all these stories with the labels, especially with Def Jam, you hear that once you really sign with these major labels, you no longer have that creative freedom anymore. And that's why you see so many artists staying independent, especially with the publishing deals. Yeah, I, I think the 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 major difference, in my opinion, it's just that like acknowledgement of like this is this is a rental. You know what I'm saying? Once you with a deal, you're in a rental situation and you have to abide by that. Some rentals are only allotted a certain amount of miles. But all of that stuff is stated in the contract. You just have to make sure your contract is right. If you see in there to where it doesn't allow you creative control, then you shouldn't sign that because now it's like you are abiding to these rules. It's like sign up for a bad cell phone plan. Like you know it's gonna be a hundred dollars for two gigs of data. Like, why would you sign that? because you want the money now. So that, that that's the problem that a lot of artists fall through. So for me, I just went the other route, you know, after talking to the labels and seeing that 
really and truly is just a big bank loan. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to investors because investors are looking to put money in to get like tangible things back. They're not looking to get like money back. Because with the music industry, you would have to put 200% of the effort in just to get 10% of the money back because you have to pay this person and that person and this person. And you still got to outsource everything too. So I don't knock labels because like you need them. You know, you yeah. need you need you need big business to make the relationships so that every so everybody doesn't get a chance to get in. Sometimes they gotta be gatekeep because some people will come in and they won't really do the industry justice and fuck up the whole shit. You know what I'm saying? Some people need to be able to have generational wealth and they're not talented musicians, but they're really good at marketing. Now they have a home. Some people go to school for for business analytics and, and streaming analytics and they can't they like they don't want to be able to run their own business. They just wanna go clock in and clock out. So the labels, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're needed for those resources. But for anybody signing, you know, just make sure that you just review your paperwork with your lawyer. It's like, it's really that simple. The money from the lawyer will cost. And if you don't have the birth of the lawyer, then you probably shouldn't be signing a deal. You probably should be waiting. Because if you won't pay for a lawyer, then you won't pay for other business ethics that are required when you're trying to, you know, really do business out here. Because that's just a small amount of your problems. You still got to worry about shows. You still got to worry about 360 situations. You still got to worry about like other material, like uh, um, business deals. Like if you get a deal with Gatorade or Adidas, like you think those deals are bad? You saw what just happened to Kanye? Yeah, Shit. with Adidas. Yeah, they'll, they'll use your likeness and, and, and sell you off. So you just got to be very just mindful of that and understand your worth. Like when you go into these buildings, just know that you're worth something too. Mm-hmm. You, you brought up Kanye. I know you're you're also an admirer of Tory Lanez, Travis Scott. Those yes. are two other artists. What are your take on artists who are controversial today in the whole cancel culture? Because when you look at it, I feel as though that everyone has some sort of controversy. Just deal with it. You don't have to agree with a person. That's the thing. Me, I don't agree with a lot of Kanye has said. I really don't. But me, I'm the type, if it's your opinion, it's your opinion. Isn't that freedom of speech? I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, freedom of speech is super important, and like you know, like you can either agree with it or not agree with it. Like you said, like you, you hit it right there on the head. I think the 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 problem is that like a lot of people just want to voice their opinion because it's like it's really good coffee conversation. You know what I'm saying? It's really good topics to just like talk about it and stuff like that. And really and truly, it's like everybody wants to be heard. Everyone wants to be validated for their opinions, and I think that's why all this this goes. So it's it gets in the curve. It gets people talking. But then when people get personal about it, that's when, you know, I put a halt on it because at the end of the day, like, this would be no reason for you to hate Kanye. Like, Kanye didn't do anything to you personally. So for you to be hating him, it's just basically you're, you're doing the reverse of what he's talking about. Because politicians say shit that people don't agree with all the time. Exactly. But, you know, the same doesn't when, when politics say something controversial, these politicians, there's no canceling of them. There never is. Exactly. Like, and I think cancel culture is, is, you know, I think it, I may, you know, I, I, I may be wrong to say this, but I think it's for the people that can't handle bullying. It's just like, all right, well, I just switch schools because you're saying something that I don't like, and it's like, wait, what? I, like, you need you need me to tell you things that you don't like, so that you that you can understand that this, that we're not in a uh, fucking computer system. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, you need me to tell you that no, I don't like that. I don't, I don't agree with you. Like, I don't understand why why people would want to like end somebody's whole life because of that. That's kind of like, you know, like back in the days when he used to guillotine people, you know what I'm saying? He stole something, chop his arm off. Chill. Yeah. Chop his arm off. Like, does that make any sense? Oh. Does that make any sense? So, uh, you know, I, I think um, it's, just, it's just a way of them just like, you know, just trying to escape the bully. And you have, you have to face the bully. Sometimes you just got to get bullied. It, it builds up your, your you know, your, your defense mechanism. Especially in learning about your career, because you're someone that studied MF Doom's interviews, and previously he was Zev Love X with KMD with Peach Fuzz. He had his own group back in the day, and unfortunately his brother was killed. He left the group and he put on that mask so that he wouldn't be associated with the whole group and created his own character. So when did you discover yourself? When we're looking at because you you you've spoken about it not being. That's why you had to write haikus and all the different things that you had to do to to be accepted coming up yourself. So when did you find yourself in Pusher Supreme? When did you find yourself? I would say for, for, for me, it was when I moved back. So once I moved back, I didn't want, you know, the spoils of, of me and my brother to kind of, you know, leak on. And then other people kind of like start talking shit about him. Because they were the, oh, like located was still doing that already. Then like, yo, like. 
you guys supposed to get that deal with Live Nation. And then he left and he effed it up for you guys. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Like, you guys weren't there, so you don't know, like, the real story. So that's not fair to him. But then also his friends would just be like, yo, you don't need Prem. Um, you know, like, you know, you could do it without Prem. And it's just like, we neither of us had even made an album by ourselves before. So, like, why are you guys even creating that narrative? So, you know, dealing with all that shit was just kind of, it was just like... I was like, nah, man, I don't want people to start hating him because I'm not working with him no more. And I've seen it happen so many times. I've seen it happen with Pusha T and, and Malice. I've seen it happen with, um, uh, who, who else is another group? Casey and JoJo. That's another mm-hmm. group. That From Jodeci. Yeah, like shit was awkward. So, nah, I didn't want, want that for him. So, um, I was just, I was like, yo, I told my, <laughs> she's my wife now at the time. She's my girl. I was like, yo, I'm going to name myself uh, Anonymous. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have anything creative at the time. And she's just like, no, no, that's kind of whack. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm gonna spell it like this. I'm gonna do anonymous with no no vowels. Like I had a whole game plan for it. And then she was just like, just she's like, you should probably just like see who else is out there that doesn't that, that wants to make music like like how you would want to make music. So then I just started researching. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was in New York, um, at the time my man JC, he was he was a super, super dual fan. And he always used to tell me, he's like, yo, like, you know, you need to like, you need a mask, like you gotta make a mask. And I'm just like, I don't even know how to make, like, I know how to make clothing and stuff like that. I just, you know, in my mind, I didn't even know even how to even do something like that. So I, rem- oh, I remembered, um, what, like, how people used to look at a ski mask, right? Like, they always, they always used to refer ski masks to being, like, something bad or, like, a thief and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Even Plyde had, like, a ski mask chain on. And I'm like, yo, it's just, it's just like, a ski mask is just basically for, for weather. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a weather garment. Yeah, but you, but the society turned it into that. So I'm just like, okay, well, I want to be able to just change that into a more of a music perspective because when Plies had did it, I feel like he did it in the sense to where it's just like ski mask all the time to rob somebody. But you're not robbing anybody now, Plies. Life is good. You got your teeth fixed. So what happened to the ski mask now? Now the ski mask is left with a with a with a with a bad conversation. And you know who else is, is left like that? Black well, people. You know what I'm saying? When 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 you when you when people put all these slave movies out, or when they put like you know, um, paid in full or Sugar Hill, you're painting a picture to a wide audience that we're some some kind of way. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. then my mom is like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and then you know, first I kind of started with like the little open. It's so funny because like back then they weren't called the pool shiesty mat; they were just a regular ski mat. So I started with that, and then kind of just like putting the jewels on the front. So I can kind of cover everything, but then it was kind of hard to see. So then I used to just practice with it on. I used to walk around the house, cook, and all that stuff. Then I was like, okay, I want to elevate this. I want to change the color. So I changed the color. Then I had the white one. And then, like, as I was making them, I always used to, like, listen to instrumentals and, like, get my, my writings on. And then that's how I was making my albums now. Like, I would never complete them unless I had my music playing in the background. And that's why every mask I make is per album. So every mask that you make is problem. Is there any times that you feel as though that it represents the emotion that you're feeling? Yes. So that's, that's the, so th- that's the one, that's this one here. It's so funny that you said that. Mm. So that's this one here. So okay. this one's more, that one's more uh, emotionally driven. So that's why you have the, the, um, the crown of thorns. And um, then I have like the little bleeding eye. So it's like, cause you know, my grandma that passed, I didn't really get the chance to mourn. So like, that was more like an angle one. That's why I don't really use that one too much. Mm. And and this history that you're learning about, especially with the mass, I think it froze up again. So I'm gonna let it unfreeze, and then we're gonna get right into the history of you learning about about the masks, in, in which it goes back into the culture, and especially with your family. So let's see if this unfreezes here, because I know it's been freezing on and off here, either on my side, probably on my side, but hopefully. I can't hear okay, there we go. I wanted to dive right in this because you started learning about the history of the mass, especially on your mother's side, because she was showing you pictures from like the 1910s, the 1920s of, of people wearing masks at baby showers. Yeah, so um, um, they're called, those masks are called um, the Gongali masks. So those masks were kind of like used for like tribals. So, you know, for like, um, you know, the birth of a child, any kind of ce- uh, celebration, those masks were, 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 brought up so to speak they were made for they were made for those things so my mom used to have them um back in the day like like hung up on the walls you know so when, when she saw what i was doing she was just like oh yeah like i, I like I, she's like oh now you're getting back into your culture and i was like oh okay okay 
This makes a lot more sense now. Oh, speaking of Doom, this is the one that um that we made. I don't know what project I'm gonna do this one for. This one is this is like a collab one, but it's the I don't know if you guys can see it. Yeah, we can see it's red. Oh, that's fire. So you custom made that one too. Yeah. So um so we we um we have a 3D printer. Yeah, I heard about that. That, that, that was always something you wanted to do, especially on the fashion side. You 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 have an interest in three D printing. Yes, yes. So uh, you know, because people ask for masks, so it's just like really hard to make them because like it's such a spiritual journey for me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, damn. Um, let me just give them what what I was influenced by. So now we have these like custom doom masks that we make. So I can get the, like the whole shell of it. It's not the same because you know you have like the the gladiator things here. So mm-hmm. we took that off. We made this one a little bit more uh, on pointier, and then um, then I give you like like these, you know. So every mask will have like that. So it, it still has my 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 likeness to it. No, that that's fire. It, it's so unique, and it makes you stand out as an artist, especially because I I know your whole thing is that you 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 do want people to look at the music instead of really an, analyzing the artist, and especially when we hear about Kanye and which why he wants to wear the mask because it's all about how Hollywood tells you how you should look. Do you feel? Any relation to what Kanye saying and that message now that you're starting to get on a bigger level, now that you're charting on Billboard and you start to get really known up here in the industry? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I remember in the beginning, you know, when I was working with Nova, they used to be like, yo, you should make a song about this. You make a song about that. And I just be like, why? Because I'm like black and I'm in shape. Like, I'm not 50 cent. They're like, oh, yeah, but, you know, that'll be real marketable. That You should do something like that. And I'd be like, no, bro, like, that's not how, how art works. Like, I don't think you know, Da Vinci used to be like, oh, what's what's um Michelangelo doing? Because this is going to be marketable, you know what I'm saying? Or Frida was just like, oh, what, what, what is she doing? Like, no, that's not how it works. It's like, just make thought-provoking stuff that people relate to, and they'll naturally just gravitate towards it. So that's why, that's what I want to do with the music. Like, I didn't want, you know, we live in a very judgmental world. Like, there's, there's no way you can get around that, you know what I'm saying? If I have tattoos on my face, you're going to feel some kind of way about me regardless you know what i'm saying i could speak like brian gumble doesn't matter like that's the world we live in so instead of me trying to change the world then i just change my perspective of how i'm in it and someone else that cracks your top five of basketball players of all time is alan iverson he was someone that was heavily persecuted because he had cornrows and he had tattoos mm-hmm. and he left mm-hmm. the league and said all right i'm gonna go make my rap album and that's what he yeah, did yeah, and that's I, why i, I think that ai changed the game not only from a basketball standpoint, but for a culture standpoint. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, he's the reason why I got tattoos, to be honest with you. Really? AI? I mean, the, yeah. On the same magazine, he used to have everything. He used to have the crew thing here and all that stuff. Like, yeah, that was yeah, that guy. And now looking now, now the whole league wears tattoos. Now it's yeah. like, if you don't have tattoos, then you look weird. Like, Scotty Barnes is like bare arms and, and Kawhi Leonard and it's like, he he's uninteresting. He's un, he's not cool. And it's like, <laughs> yo, like, what happened? Or that, that goes to show you, like, you know, when 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 you have a lot of culture poured into like one particular area, then it's like everyone gets to just kind of just be free now. You know what I'm saying? Now everyone got dreads. People got corals. People got the wild hair. You know what I'm saying? Like people just be themselves. And to think, like, if the NBA still had those roles, we have, we have those players. We have a job already. You know what I'm saying? But we have, like, you know, like, think of how much scrutiny Dennis Rodman got. That's why when his T-shirt dropped again, it, it just it went through the roof. Like, the, the price of it went, went skyrocketed because they're like, damn, he was ahead of his time. He had his nails painted. He had a different color hair. He was dating supermodels. And that's the thing niggas are doing right now. Exactly. And if you look at other players that are out there, too, remember Birdman, the Birdman, Chris Anderson? Yeah, played Birdman, on the heat? hell yeah. <laughs> See, even the white guys started copying. <laughs> Yeah, and at first he was getting scrutinized too because they're like, "Oh, he's he's a, he's a biker or he can't play." But he was a really good player too. He was like, in my opinion, he definitely helped that that that, that, that Heat team. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he was he was a great rebounder. He, he was a force on that team. People don't bring up Chris Anderson, but he, he definitely was one of the ones for sure. When yeah, we look he at it too, when he was on Denver too. Yeah, no, he was. And you just look at his impact in the league, and then and then you see all the way up to just the mask culture when Schoolboy Q dropped Oxymoron. I thought he was going to take the mask even further because when I think of Schoolboy Q, I think of that cover, and I think how impactful that album was, Oxymoron. To me, Oxymoron is a classic, and I know that you, you like TDE. Kendrick Lamar is one of your main inspirations. Schoolboy Q, that album, classic. 
Yeah, no, I, I used to bump that album. I, I forgot that he did that, that on the album cover. Yeah, you might, you might, you might have just inspired something. It's not for nothing. No, I'm yeah, happy. That, that was that was a dope album, like with the dark background, and then he brought it back again with um with blank face, blank face, blank face. Yeah, it's so funny because my man, um, shout to Yamba, his clothing line is called Bodega Boys, and it's like a brown paper bag over like like oh, a, a, was that Crash a, Talk? Was that the, the that was the other album that came out, right? I think that's what it was called. Yeah, Crash Talk. But I think um uh, um. Wait, so did Blackface have... No, Blackface is when he was, but like... Blackface had, like, a blank face mask on. He was wearing that, and then the, the the Crash Talk had the paper bag over his head. Okay, okay, so the paper bag. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so Schoolboy Q is really... Consi- but when you look at his music videos and stuff, you don't see him doing that. It's just strictly for the album cover, so it's interesting to see how he always conveys the, the album covers through a mask. Mm. It's interesting. That is interesting. I have to do some research to see why. Maybe it's probably I watch an interview with him. You just sound so like relieved that he's not doing music anymore. Yeah, like, that's the thing. When, when, when you learn about all, all these artists when they get in the game, and, and this is a good time for me to bring up this question because it's always interesting to hear you speak about it. When you look at everyone, Jay-Z, Nas, the best in the game, when you really see it. And, 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 and to me, I feel as though Biggie didn't, didn't, didn't have this, but he really didn't have much time to go through that. And Tupac, too. I feel like Tupac kind of stayed the course a little bit. You, you've spoken about artists losing their hunger in the game. What keeps you going and, and being hungry? And why do you think certain people will fall off to the point where they just don't want to express that hunger that they once had, even when they're regarded as the greatest of all time? Uh, I think because I, I just stay around a lot of youthful, creative people. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of my friends are like 10 years younger than me. You know, um, I have a younger daughter now, so it's like I'm always around the energy, so it, it makes me feel, like, childlike all the time. So it's like the more creative I get, like, the more at peace I am, you know, like if, if I'm working on music or if I'm working on a new design or if I'm working on a new event or I'm, if I'm trying to, t- like, take a lot, lot of thoughts that go in my, in my mind and then turn them to, like, an illustration, like, those things kind of get me going, you know, and as long as I have the energy to be able to, like, be imaginative, I think uh, that the hunger will stay there forever. But you're right about that and analyzing it from the standpoint of because I have noticed that before when you when you really look at an artist's career, that that's why their first album doesn't sound like their next one. And to me, when you look at even the second and third albums, but when we look at Nas, because people thought that Nas was was dead after a while, and that's when he dropped Stillmatic because he yeah. had to reprove himself again during that that's whole Jay Z beat. That Jay Z, yeah, that Jay Z beat definitely helped him out tremendously. I remember that summer. When that shit came out, because uh, he came out on um, that's like it, um, I think the song was called Stillmatic. Or was it yeah. was it was it, ether, was it Ether the beat? No, no, no. It was the um, it was got, it was got yourself see, I a gun. It was the original joint, but it's the one that has that lady singing in the background. Uh, but it's a sample because um. It's a sample from, I want to say, don't kill me, guys, if, if I get this wrong. I want to say it's from A Tribe Called Quest. But it's the one where it's like H to the Izzo, B to the Izzo, da 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 that version of like, that beat, like whatever that beat is. And it has like the little sample in the background. I, I can't remember it, but like when you go to YouTube and you type it in, it's going to pop up instantly. But I think it's called, I think he called it Stillmatic. It was on a mixtape on the lost tapes and then that's what popped things off once that popped off then um jay-z had to take over as a single and then as that when that popped off then he did <laughs> ether that shit <laughs> jay-z was not having it no it, it, and it's crazy that goes to show you how much of an empire that jay-z was because if ether was used against any rapper other than jay-z that would have been career ending like to me i don't we're in the era now where drake is so loved Pusha T, the story of added on, that should have, mm. that should have, that would I think that would have wiped Drake away in the 90s to me. Yeah, but it kind of, it kind of did. It did, it did shake his armor for a little bit, but then like he, he was smart. He took it, he took it to the, you know, this platform, the podcast platform, and he was very just like, you know, once he did the thing with uh, um, Elliot Wilson, it kind of just made everyone feel bad for him. Like, oh, okay, well, the only reason why Pusha T came at you is because. Kanye food him, and then it just sh- it shifted everything. So he he got saved by that. Then the whole like, I won't get you because Jay Prince told me not to do it. So just like, oh okay, you know, 
Like nobody knows that like when um Cameron and, and Nas is going at it, that the reason why that he chills is because Cam's mom called him less like, yo, like you talk about this man's mom being dead on the radio on the freestyle, you gotta chill. Yeah. That, had that came out, then Cam probably wouldn't even have to like say anything else. He would have probably just chilled right there. But you know, like you know, if, if you empathize with the people, then like they kind of like look at beef and want it to be done, you know, especially somebody like Drake who doesn't come off like super aggressive. Nas and Jay Z, they came off as titans, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and, and that's more so like a pop star, yeah. a really good pop star at that. Cause I like Drake. What are your thoughts on when rappers go pop? How do you feel about that when we look at a Drake, for instance? Because I, I'm someone that I want to become pop with my sound. I don't like to change up for you and do Hotline Bling. No, I'm gonna make it off of who I am as an artist. So what are your thoughts on hip hop artists going pop? I don't, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel indifferent about it. I think like it's popular music. So it's like popular sounds. It's like, you have to kind of go with the times. Like um, during that time, like, you know, if he didn't make that somebody else would. And I think drum is the one who originally made that song. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he, he has, he has a good ear for, for, for music and for catchy tunes. That's all pop is. Pop is just like what catches you like in the first two or three minutes. And I always feel like, you know, the music always supersedes the lyrics anyway, in my opinion, just like the music in general. It's just that if you really like the sound of what you're hearing, it's easier for me to give you like a message between mm-hmm. it, you know what I'm saying? But there's a lot of songs that I don't remember. There's a lot of songs other people don't remember until they hear it and then they hear the words and they're just like karaoke time. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think everyone knows all the words to that Caroline joint, but when they hear uh, um, you know what I'm saying? And everybody like, uh, you know, that, cause those horns make you feel that kind of, kind of way. And then it's easy just to just give you words so you can kind of follow along. So, you know what that sound does. So to answer your question, I, I, I don't feel any indifferent about pop music. I think it's, you know, it's needed. So, you know, you know, it gives other musicians a chance to kind of like show their creativity. Mm. I like that answer. And since we're on the, the topic of Nas and you open for him, tell me about that experience of opening for Nas. Oh, that shit was dope. That shit was dope, man. It's like, um, you know, we, we killed, we killed that set. That set that, you know, that show kind of like propelled my career here in Tampa. Then we started getting books for more and more shows. And that's how the, you know, the indie that I'm signed to, that's how they found me it's through that show. So then when Nas performed, we, we had an extra bottle of Bel Air and we gave it to him. Yeah, took the bottle. It was like, yeah, but of course he didn't drink because he probably think we put Molly and some shit in there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a chance to speak with Nas at all backstage? Oh right nah, now? yo, like I could, like I get it now, you know, because we opened for the Legends of the South tour too, and it was like we was right by the trailer. But like Nas is so old in the game, it's like he's not trying to talk to nobody. He literally stayed in the trailer until it was ten minutes for him to go to his set. Mm. And and just think about the career that Nas is having now because now. He's dropping classics left and right here with, with KD, KD2, and the newest KD3. And people called Magic the best album of the year last year. He's he's completely rejuvenated himself. He just... Yeah, he got Hit Boy. He, yeah. Hit Boy <laughs> made niggas in Paris, you know what I'm saying? He made a, a bunch of fucking hits, especially for um, Big Sean, too. So having a producer like that that has like the ear for like today's sound... You know today's popular sound. He'll be able to kind of like you know work that because he's still a a really talented rapper. Yeah, and he's able to incorporate the boom bap, which is the the roots of hip hop. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen you body twenty two twos, the freestyle. So you, yourself, you stay oh, yeah. you you stay at home with your Bronx, New York roots at times too. Yeah, definitely. I went to school in Queens too, so it's fun that you said Queens as well. Yeah, that, yeah, I did hear about that. You did go to school in Queens. Yeah, yeah I went to um. 231 and then I went to 37. PSA. Okay. Queens. Uh, it, uh, what's the best borough in New York, you think? Bronx? Is it because you're from there? Nah, man. Bronx is a trash ass place. Right. <laughs> it got some dope people, though. I met a lot of good people there, but that, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible. I would say, in my opinion, um, it's a tie between Manhattan and, and Brooklyn. Manhattan and Brooklyn. Yeah, because because the thing about Manhattan is like Manhattan has so many parts that are the Lower East Side. Then you got like, then you got um, Central Park area. Then you have the Meatpacking District. Then you have Soho. Then you have it's like you know what I'm saying. It's like like it's kind of like when you play GTA and you go through all those different. It's like its own like country in that small little city from Manhattan. And then Brooklyn is just like Brooklyn has a lot of greenery, you know. And like I'm, I'm attracted to greenery, just being like an African kid. So 
Queens got some too, but like I think the thing with Queens is like too many things are too compact together, and you got to drive mad far to kind of like like to get out of Queens. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Brooklyn Queens, like the third base song. <laughs> <laughs> Best borough for hip hop artists in New York, Brooklyn or Queens? Hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Queens only because I live there. Yeah. I, even though they do have Jay Z and Biggie, but fuck that. Yeah. Because <laughs> Qu- Qu- Queens has some. Queens got Mob Deep, Run Nas, DMC, LL Cool LL. J, Run DMC. They got some heavy. I used to live right there by Merrick Boulevard. That's so crazy. <sighs> right in there. Yeah, yeah, it's. I used to walk that spot all the time to go to school. That's so crazy. Damn, you're taking me back memory lane right now. But yeah, no, I mean Brooklyn do got some heavy hitters, man. It's a tie, man. New York is a state. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hate to say, it's hard to say goodbye, so I want to get into this album. Hate to say goodbye. Tell me about what you were feeling and, and what are you, you know, what's so hard about saying goodbye on this album that you hate? Oh, man, the, the hardest thing about saying goodbye is just like when, when a loved one has to pass on and that's when all those thoughts and those feelings all rush at once and it's like, you know, you don't really get to physically talk to them again. No, everyone says they're always still with you or stuff like that, but it's not the same. You know what I'm saying? Like it's really not the same. But it's also say hard to say goodbye to like your old self too. Like if you're somebody that's like, you know, let's say you're alcoholic, that's saying goodbye to like your vices, that's hard to do. Or just saying goodbye to like friends or family that you don't fuck with no more. That's hard to do as well too. So goodbyes are always hard no no matter what, because you never want to end anything, you know especially when it happens sudden and you don't even need a chance to kind of like say anything. So that's what this whole album was really about. Just like I had to say goodbye to a lot of things. I had to say goodbye to like a lot of friends that were just kind of like poisonous. I had to say goodbye to my grandmother, rest in peace, which was tough too. You know, um, I had to say goodbye to like old vices, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm married now. So like answering a DM from someone that's supposed to answer, that's like something that like you got to say goodbye to. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, know, you can't get pumped into it too because it's tough. You know what I'm saying? Things just be like, damn. And I'd be like, oh my God, like, nah, you know? You know, so like, you know, it's just everything. You know, every song was like, it was like a key point in my life during that year. And it's like post-COVID when everything was like really popping for me. So like, you know, More Money, More Problems, Beautiful Liar, Ten Toes Down, like all of those songs are like really instrumental to what I was going through. And, you know, for anybody's listening for the first time or, you know, listen to it currently, you, you can actually hear the similarities to where they kind of be parallels with some of the things that they may be going through as well, too. You brought up a lot of interesting points there, especially when you were going through in the COVID year and, and bringing that up to, to the forefront there. And we're still dealing with that, unfortunately. And, you know, at least you have a mask. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh when we yeah, when we look at it though because because you and learn about you because you, you you have you have a, you have kids you're married do you think it, it makes more sense is it is it wise to to get married and then go out there and really pursue your dreams or should you pursue your dreams and do all the, the stuff that you do on the side because when i look at it because I, I look at it from this instance right because i'm watching the jet game yesterday and, I, and i'm watching mike white play. i don't know if you follow football but i've been following the jets forever and i've been looking at the quarterbacks that they have on the roster because zach wilson he's this broadway joe wannabe mm-hmm. he's all over the place he's going out with all these different women he's apparently you know hooking up with his mother's girlfriend mike white wow. is married and he has kids but when you look at the on-field play mike white yeah okay zach wilson's the winner off the field i guess all right maybe in his own way he's just player whatever but when you look at Mike White, he's married and he's settled down already, but he took his job. He took the rookie's job who's off partying all over the place. So would you say it makes more sense to get married and then go out there, get a woman that understands your lifestyle and go pursue your dreams? Or to just keep pursuing your dreams and live that lifestyle, that crazy lifestyle, like you said, you can't, in which they answer the DMs, they answer the crazy message. Um, I think like um, whatever is going to keep you on that path, Sometimes like having a family may distract you because then it's like you can't really do anything because you have to you know, your family comes first. But um, sometimes you know having that freedom could be reckless too because then you have no one to tell you like to chill. 
see that for, for me, it helped me out going that route because she was there when I was just trying to figure everything out and then help me provide an, uh, an understanding and an obedience. So I won't get like, oh, so if you, if you have someone that's going to be with you, committed to help you follow and pursue your dreams, then I say go that route. But if that person is going to be a distraction, I say do not be with that person. And because you only have one life to our understanding. You know, I feel like, you know, me and you, we've been here plenty of times before, but consciously I can only talk, speak on this particular life right now. And you don't get a second chance. And, and when time, time doesn't wait for nobody, it continues on and on and on and on. And while these things are going, if you're not moving with the times and you kind of get lost and then you just live with regrets and that's the worst thing that you can do. It actually kind of speeds up the age process for you because you just be sitting there and depressed, you know? So for me, it worked out for me. It may not work out like that for somebody else, but, you know, the advice I want to give them is just, you know, whatever is going to cause the least amount of distractions, because you have to be focused because, you know, when you're making music or when you're pursuing dreams, you're not only pursuing it for you, you're trying to create a lineage so that everyone, you know, that's associated with you can benefit off that. Because if you're useless, then, you you know, then you, then you really don't have no existence. You have to be useful for other people as well, you know? Now, that's an interesting point, because when you really look at it, you hear about people, oh, no, you, you need to be single and pursuing the, the entertainment industry because the woman could bring you down. It's a distraction, like you said, but it also works out, especially for people like you, because you're so focused. And look, you just charted 18 on Billboard. Where were you when you found out about this? Were you looking it up online? Was it a friend that told you about this? How did you learn that you charted number 18 on Billboard? Tiffany Gaines, she told me about it. Um, we were... What was I? It's in February. What's that? February. I think I was coming back from the studio. Yeah, I do a lot of my recording at um, the, the, the top of the year because I have all my reflection. So yeah, I think I was in the studio and you told me about it, and I was just like, "Let me see." So I was with I was with Lex uh, with Grand Bay. So we went on the he has a Billboard account, so we went on the Billboard website to make sure. I'm like, oh shit. Then I, then we checked on SoundCharts.com. Like, oh shit. Then I checked the email and all that, and it was like, damn, like I can't believe it's happening. Then, like that's when like all like the the motions and stuff came, and then we throw that we do that event so that everyone can actually see the billboard in person. So I, you know, I hit them up at Box um, Jewel Box, like, yo, how fast can I get this shit here? <laughs> <laughs> like, it takes like four weeks. I'm like, four weeks, what the fuck? But it worked out perfect though. Like the plaque came in just in time. What and congratulations on that. I'm sure that the plaque you have that in. That's in your your recording space or some special room in your house. Right, right there, like when you walk right into the crib, hung up right there. You know, how people have pictures of their family and all that. Yeah, like, you right got there. the billboard right there. Right, fucking there. Got that in my um, my iTunes one too. Yeah, that's right. Number one on iTunes. When we get to it, how many years would you say? Because it takes a long time for certain people. Some people get in quicker than others, and then you look at it. It's usually the, the people that don't work as hard that get in quick, which is unbelievable. So when did you start to see? You're the fruits of your labor, labor really pay off here. I think what um, it, it's, it's going to say sound kind of materialistic, but like once the billboard came, because that's when mm. everyone was just like, okay, we believe you now. And that's when they, people did their homework and they was like, oh yeah, you've been doing shows. Oh yeah, you've been doing that. Because it was, it was hard to get a lot of people's attention, you know, because um, they just, so a lot of people just wasn't understanding the math, but they wouldn't take the time out to just ask me, you know? So I was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to, so the people who were interested are people like you that have platforms like this. And the more interviews that I did, the more people got a chance to kind of like shortcut their way to getting to know me. And then from there, that's when we started doing like more and more and more events. So I've always, you know, been event heavy. That, that's the, that's been my thing. So now people want to come to the events because now everyone wants a billboard. Everyone wants the iTunes. Everyone wants the knowledge. So I just, you know, I just became more of like an educator on top of everything else that I do. Do you put things in perspective now, especially because when you do receive the fruits of your labor, people want to be around you now because you got the billboard. Now people, once you got that verification in some sort of way, everyone wants to be around you. But how come we can't just realize that I had to put in all this groundwork. I was verified before receiving it. I worked for this. So do you put things in perspective and just are aware of your surroundings that these people are only around me because... I'm ver verified in a materialistic type of way. And I've been recognized just by a check on Instagram. Yeah, or some, billboard sometimes. Mm. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it feels like that. But then sometimes some people come out and be like, yo, your song helped me in this situation and that situation. So I figure as long as I, I continue being like an educator, um, giving back to the community and just really just staying true to my roots, I think like 
I would track more of those people on the line. Like this year has been been very fruitful for that. Like a lot of people who have like my best interest in mind has been like surrounding my 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 circumference, so to speak. Heaven and night. It's <laughs> a good song. Yeah, no, that that's the one that charted, and congratulations on that. Now, when we look at heaven and night, is it hell during the day? Yeah, because at the time I had a, had a my, that was my day job. So during the, you know you know my day job was doing uh, payroll. Mm. So I was like with payroll because that work payroll you get no days off. Was it that was know? this at Louis Vuitton? Hmm. Was this at Louis Vuitton? Because yeah, I heard that you worked at Louis no, no, Vuitton. Oh no 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 this, no, this is in Tampa. Yeah yeah oh, I, used okay. work, I used to work at Louis. Yo, shout out to you. Yeah, I used to work at Louis Vuitton. <laughs> so this was yeah, in Tampa that, when that, you're doing that, payroll. That, that, yeah, yeah, I was in t- yeah. Um, that song did the Billboard when I was in Tampa. So heaven at night. Um, you know, I was just basically just talking about like how much like because you know I'm in a group chat with like a bunch of you know my party friends. I used to party for over the summer, and you know it would be held during the day, and then like at night when it's time to to go out and chill and get shit faced, like that was like heaven for me, you know, in a sense, in a weird sense. No, there definitely is something peaceful about the nighttime because when you think about it, because I don't know, it, is it because everyone else is sleeping? And most artists actually work during the night when you think about it. When artists are recording their mm-hmm. albums, it's not during the day. It's during the nighttime. So I think the nighttime is for creatives. My show's at night. You, uh, do you record at night as well? I do. I used to yeah. write a lot at night. Now I do it during the daytime because like, um, I try to get like the, like going to like vocal training so I'm trying to get like, you know, my, my voice is well rested. I drink my tea or my coffee at the time. So I can kind of like hit those notes I want to hit. You know what I'm saying? So I could, I could just kind of like draw back from the auto tune. Cause I want to be kind of like a, a student of like just being able to like harmonize. I don't want to like use the machine all the time. Mm. But you, you've accomplished so much this far. What's next for you on the path of your journey here? What are you looking forward to next? I mean, you're opening up for Jada Kiss very soon here. What's next? Um, next is like on like I, I said, 2023, like just just touring across the country. That's the next step for us, you know. Like o- overseas shows are going to be the next storyline for Pusha Supreme and the Wanda Assassins for sure. International, but you're already international artist because it's just you know you being charted everywhere. You're already out there, so now it's just expanding. Yeah, basically saying like just like giving them like what I'm giving them here in Tampa when I do shows in New York, when I do shows in Atlanta or Alabama, like now it's like here I am, like in front of you to other countries who, you know, their struggle is not the same as the American struggle. And they may not get, you know, my style of music brought to them like in the forefront. Or, you know, an artist that has like, you know, that's taking these risks like me to be like, you know, wear a mask and just strictly perform with a band. And, you know, talk about songs about being in relationships, talk about songs about being like double crossed by best friends. And, you know, it's just like the, it's like the other side of the coin. That's not like, you know, your trap music or your your drill music and things of that nature. And then now it's in the Apple beats. And now it's like it has a very kind of like storytelling, colorful vibe to it as well, too. No, and people are finally buying it into your image because you've spoken about it on past albums and just the message that you Relay on there is that it's hard for people to, to buy your image, especially in performance. So, so now, how does it feel to finally be accepted for who you are and represent yourself to be? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's euphoric, man. It's like, I always knew, you know, I said in another other view, I always knew I was, was going to be pushing frame. I just didn't understand how or what made sense. And, it, you know, it just felt so comfortable, like just just working on the mask, you know, hitting on my homegirl Katrina and getting the materials. And it was just like, it was fun. It was like exciting. And then, like, even when I, I bring it out, people are just like, oh, man, I love how you did that. Or people, like, create their own concepts and stuff like that through the mask. Oh, did you add that because of this and because of that? You know, it's, it's just fun. It's dope, you know? It's like it just gives kind of, like, uh, um, a new addition to life, you know? Mm. You already know. And you're doing it right now. Push Supreme. Anything else you want to let the audience know that we didn't cover here tonight, man? Oh, yeah. Um, if you guys, if you, if you tune in, make sure that you like, subscribe. If you're on iHeartRadio, iTunes, make sure you hit that heart. Support what we got going on here. You know, this is like dope that Mad Max is taking the time out to interview not just me, but the artists all across the world. Uh, also, the Adam and Eve drops on the 17th. Um, dope ass songs are somewhere with number one on iTunes. We remastered it. Now I signed with Indy. There's some cool things to it to kind of just like bring some elements that I didn't have before. 
but I was more so on a low budget. So, you know, um, thank you for supporting. Thank you for, you know, people listening in. Um, definitely tune in. We're dropping the next album. It's going to be a full Afrobeat album. Next album called um, um, Tell God Thank You. And, you know, we're just going to just keep working, man. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully this gets out to the masses. No, it's, it's going to. And, and the fan base is growing. And, and shout out to Al Nice for connecting us as well. You know, no doubt. No doubt. Shout out to Al Nice. Yeah, shout out to Al Nice, man. He's one of the realists in this industry for sure. Tap in with him. Check him out as well. You can follow him at Al Nice. And they can follow you at Billboard P, Pusha Prem, Instagram, Twitter at Pusha Prem. Go check out his music, man. You got to go check out this catalog. One of the realists to do it. He's putting on for Tampa and the Bronx at the same time because that's, that's his home away from home right there. But Pusha Prem, once you drop that new album, you got to come back, tap back in. Welcome on the show. Hopefully we can do a review together, man. It's going to be dope. But, but you know, we're going to blend in a little bit of this, you know, the raps that we do do still. Have a lot more to talk about, have a lot more to share with the people. But we're also going to just kind of like do it in a creative way. Absolutely, man. I'm looking forward to it. We got to link up again. And until the next time, man, congratulations on everything. I look forward to seeing this new album and hearing it. Take yes, care. Sir, Enjoy yes, the rest of your night, man. Happy holidays and all that stuff. Happy holidays to you too, man. You already know, man. And take care. Enjoy the rest of your night. Stay safe, man. You too, brother. Peace. Peace out, man.